0: Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know. and We'll catch you next time. Good morning, Hillside. We're really glad to have you in to worship with us. I uh, want to just begin by talking a little bit about the incident that occurred on one of our highways, if you're not from Dallas-Fort Worth, we had a massive crash, involved a number of cars and a number of people, and many lost their lives because of the weather. And uh, it's been really, really difficult to uh, compute it. In my mind, and probably many of you, uh, it's been a struggle. I've struggled to even know how to pray you know for it but what I want to do is try that I want to I want to go before the Lord right now before we do anything else and uh, just ask God um, to be with these folks whose lives are turned upside down in a moment so father we come before you and uh, as I've actually said out loud to you I don't even know how to pray. These kinds of moments are overwhelming. And uh, people are in desperate need. They're in desperate need of help, comfort, um, provision. Father, just multiple things they need from you. I just ask right now that you'll be with those people in in a way that defies logic, in a way only you can do. Because one thing I do know is that you care. You care about every particular person and family that's affected by this. So please, Lord, be with them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing in our series, Elephant in the Room. And last week, we ended our service with a little practical application to go home, lay flat on the floor, and pray for your body parts. Think of each one and surrender them to God. Maybe confess sin. I sort of broke mine up because I spent a pretty good amount of time thinking about my mind and my eyes and my tongue, what I say and things like that. And so uh, ended up coming back to do the rest of the body parts. But it was an incredible experience, something I'm going to continue to do I would encourage you to do the same, and if you didn't get to do it, then maybe you can do it this week. Well, in light of that, I want to start uh, this morning by looking at a section of C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters. Screwtape is a senior demon who is apprenticing a younger demon who wants to be good at his job. His name is Wormwood, and on one particular occasion, he's trying to help him uh, think about how we pray, and so this is what he says to them, to uh, to Wormwood. He says to them, "Do everything you can to to make these people that you're working on keep prayer informal and unregularized. You know, not not a not a regular part of their life. This is this is what demons are trying to accomplish." And then he writes this, this will actually mean that a beginner with an effort to produce himself a vaguely devotional mood. In other words, if you don't regularize prayer, it just becomes a kind of mood. You think of prayer as a thought, just a vague thought, but it never really materializes, never really happens. And so he says, in other words, these are the kind of prayers that intelligence really has no part. There's no commitment involved. They're just thoughts. And then he says, that's exactly the sort of prayer we want, since it bears a superficial resemblance to the prayer of silence as practiced by those who are very far advanced in the enemy's service. Clever and lazy patience. That's us can be taken in for quite a long time with these superficial prayers. At the very least, they can be persuaded that the bodily position makes no difference to their prayers, for they constantly forget, listen to this, what you must always remember, that they are animals and that whatever their bodies do affects their souls. This is such an insight into the the psychology of the spiritual life. And we have been trying to connect the body and the soul. C.S. Lewis helps us see that what the body does affects the soul. And what the soul does is going to affect the body. So we're establishing that connection, the inward and the outward. We've said the body belongs to God. It's a spiritual weapon. And our body needs to be an ally in our walk with God. I need my body to come through. Otherwise, spirituality really never manifests itself. It's just useless and becomes a disconnect, a real disconnect between faith and life. If you exclude the body, then you rip faith from everyday life. And James talks about this in chapter 2. I want to show you something. Look what he says. What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So James is making the connection between this sort of internal faith thing and works that manifest themselves. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So it's got to be some practical uh, action. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The in and the out have to work together. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. This is a great statement. What if you have one or the other? What if you just have outward things going on, but nothing inside? Or what if you have something inside, but nothing coming outside? He's basically going to say, no, no, no. Show, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. They've got to go together. Real faith, real works. This is just a profound statement, but that's what James is trying to, to teach us here. To show means to make visible. I mean, they've got to manifest themselves in my in my body Jesus said uh, let your good deeds be seen by men you need your bodies in order to be able to do that Calvin Miller in a little book that I love that he wrote said outwardness and inwardness are the poles of spirituality as north and south are poles of the earth's geography you can't disconnect them. one without the other is phony The inward without the outward, the outward without the inward. It's severely lacking. James would say it's dead. Sort of a morbid kind of a faith. Pathological and neurotic if the two don't go together. So inwardness draws us to that unseen reality we've been talking about, that 96%, where everything is spiritual. Outwardness brings that invisible reality into reality. And that's where we've been talking about welcoming legitimate pain. Thomas Kempis wrote this, Whoever knows best how to suffer will keep the greatest peace. And of course he's talking about disciplines, legitimate pain. That's what legitimate pain is, disciplines. So once we've made the connection between the body and the soul, we can grasp Paul's seriousness about spiritual training and spiritual exercises. You know, on one occasion, Paul says, I beat my body. In 1 Corinthians 9, you know that text. He says, I beat my body and I bring it into submission. The word literally means to blacken the eye. It means I know that I'm gonna, I'm, it's going to hurt for me to do what God wants me to do. It's going to be painful to be obedient, but, but I will bring that pain into my life. That's discipline. That's legitimate pain. In other words, he's going to knock out of the body desires for comfort, for ease, for abundance, for pleasure, in order to be obedient. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think living for Jesus actually, in real life, requires any drastic actions on your part, like any distinct kind of lifestyle? I mean, Paul uses language like kill the members of your body, crucify the flesh, yield your body parts. How are you going to do that unless you have some drastic way that you live Some way you welcome legitimate pain. And I think most of us in our spiritual lives, without ever really, we never really come to understand what it means to do these things. How to translate some of Paul's language, training language, into a realistic plan spiritually. And so they just get relegated to spiritual thoughts and they lose biblical realism. We don't, we don't even know what to do with them. And Paul's expectations or, and, and exhortations become vague speculations. We've got no teeth. We just don't know what to do with them. Um, but there are spiritual exercises, legitimate spiritual exercises that you can do, habits and disciplines that can train us to live godly. And again, Screwtape is going to help us. Here's what he says to Wormwood. Uh, Wormwood's got this guy who's, he's been trying to keep from being a Christian, but he has become a Christian. And Screwtape says this, there's no need to despair. Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn into the enemy's camp and are now back with us. All the habits of the patient both mental and bodily, are still in our favor. This is a, just a profound insight. You become a Christian. You want to live that kind of life, but you've got to develop new habits in order to do it. You've got to develop a pretty drastic change and approach to life in order to be ready to be obedient. Paul has this in mind, I think, when he describes... In 1 Timothy, he says, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. This saying is a trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive. There's our word. That's the word for agony. That's the word for agon, strive. And then you have, uh, back up here, you have this train. That's the word for gym, where we get our word for gymnasium. So Paul is saying there's a kind of spiritual athletics, spiritual training. Uh, We set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So Paul is saying there is... Now, this is interesting, because Paul is saying... Uh, the physical alone—if you—if you just work on the physical, that's not going to help you much, because it doesn't affect the next life. But whatever Paul has in mind in terms of spiritual training, still going to require my body. I still got to use it. So the comparison works. You will need to train like an athlete, but for higher purposes. That's what he's saying. Um, I, I have a, a video clip I want to show you to sort of illustrate this. This is a, a scene with Denzel Washington is trying to train a little girl in swimming. She is a pretty good swimmer, but she hesitates at the start. And he determines that it's because the gun goes off and it scares her. She hesitates, and she's always just a little behind everybody else when she begins. And so he goes over and over, starting, making noises, saying things to her like, uh, "Listen, you're a prisoner on this diving board, and that sound is not not something to be afraid of. That's your that's a freedom sound. It releases you." And he just and over and over, and he's you know clanks. Blocks together, making noise, getting her used to that noise. And pretty soon, she she figures it out, and there is a scene that describes uh, the sort of images, fict- pictures. This I want you to see it. Go, 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 Go! 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 Bravo! Bravo! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 10.99. Yes! Whoa! <laughs> I'm tough, Creasy. Yeah? No such thing as tough. There's trained, and then there's untrained. And now, which are you? Trained. Trained. Okay, let's go again. So that language is very motivating, and I think this is what Paul has in mind. We try to be tough in the Christian life, try to, you know, muster all the energy we can to do what God wants us to do in a moment. It's so much easier if we're trained, if we're ready when it happens, just like in the physical world. There's no toughness in spirituality. Paul would say there's trained and there's untrained. There's people ready to obey. And then there are people who aren't. Now, I think we get this, but figuring out how to carry it out in our lives is fraught with difficulties, and you always have the issue of extremes, and so I want to just give you a little help on this, you know, to get sort of practical here. So, the first thing I want you to do is, I want you to just begin to recognize First of all, the spiritual and the physical. Let's go ahead and connect them and let's see the relationship they have with one another. So, some spiritual disciplines or training, basic, this is basic training, uh, would be prayer and scripture. Those directly connect me to the 96%. And then there's worship and communities where we gather in a big group and worship and then we connect to one another. Relationally, in smaller groups, uh, all different kinds of ways. And then, of course, physical has basics to, to being healthy, and that is diet, rest, and exercise. Now, these are basic to health in each realm. Spiritually, you need these to be healthy in one realm, physically, you need those things to be healthy in the physical realm. Uh, and they're related. They're connected. Remember, everything is spiritual. Paul is trying to connect them for us. So in the spiritual side of things, it connects us to the 96%. And so I need my body to disconnect from that 4%. I've got to engage my body into that 96%. Physically, directly connects me to the 4% caring for and nourishing my body remember the four percent is the material the physical the the visible the 96 percent is invisible but I need my body to connect to both um, as we'll see and here's what I've uh, sort of figured out as I was thinking about this in this category here we tend to we tend to burn a lot of uh, calories in in spiritual living we do a lot of activities, we do a lot of you know, serving, uh, thinking about spiritual things maybe, but maybe we don't have a real healthy, quiet time. And so we end up uh, burning more calories than we take in. We don't take enough nourishment in for the calories we burn on the spiritual side. On the physical side, just the opposite happens. We end up taking in more calories than we actually burn. And it's just interesting to see the dynamic of that and how they impact each other. Uh, and so both are going to require l- legitimate pain. You have to welcome legitimate pain in both categories to be healthy. So, in the spiritual, let's talk about that. Let's take your quiet time to prayer and study. You've got to make time for it, you've got to disconnect from the world, you've got to concentrate. You've got to put aside progress in the world. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you're immediately thinking of all you've got to do in the day and you want to hurry to start getting it done. You've got to break away from that. You've got to pull your body away from it, go sit down and concentrate on the 96%. That's, that hurts. Uh, think about community. You've got to wake up on a Sunday morning. You could sleep in, but you're going to get your body up you're going to go to church. You're going to drive to church. Uh, It's got to fit into your schedule. There's lots of things you could do on Sunday morning, but you've chosen to do these. But you need your body to do that. You got to make arrangements to go to small group. You got to prepare. Um, Those are all physical disciplines that over time just become a part of the routine of your life. And if you don't have them, it would be strange. In community, you learn things like to listen and to submit and to give and to forgive. Physically, the same thing happens. You got to schedule it. You got to you got to deny yourself something. You got to work hard. You got to go through you got to have a plan for your workout, whatever physically or exercise that you're doing. you got to plan for it. It's going to involve your body as well. Now, I want to say something to you. Is when we talk about the physical, when we talk about diet and that kind of stuff. Um, I just want to say um, you're not going to be weighed in heaven. It's not a scale you're going to get on. You know that weird time when you go into the doctor's office? and you're fully dressed, you got your heavy boots on, and you're wearing a, a maybe a heavy jacket, you got your pocket stuffed with things, or wallet, keys, and your phone, and they ask you to get on a scale the first thing, and you're like, wait a minute, this, everything is on me, and then you got somebody standing right there watching. You know, it's a horrible feeling. You're like, that's not really what I weigh. It's just a horrible feeling. Well, that's not going to happen in heaven. You're not going to get on a scale. The other thing you're not going to have to do is be timed in a mile, and God's not going to time you in a mile. So I don't want you to get the idea that we're talking about obsession here with the physical body, with the physique, or idolizing the body when we talk about this, but I want you to think about something. Think about this. Am I more likely to be godly, to have my body as an ally, if I'm rested, If I'm less stressed, not in pain, not overstuffed, if I feel better. So, if I'm taking care of my body physically, it will affect how I do things spiritually. There's no greater motivation for physically. Healthy life, and additionally, physical exercise is a great way to teach your body lessons about how to push past limits. Hey, let's do a few more today. Let's walk a little longer today. Let's let's move a little faster today. Um, these this is this becomes practice for the body, and. Uh... And there's something else that happens in this whole dynamic relationship between like food and spirituality. Uh, Food and desires. Uh, There's an overwhelming uh, amount of connection spiritually to to food. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter four, remember what he said? Man shall not live by bread alone. As a basic and essential. As food is, it's not more important than God's word and spiritual nourishment. You need spiritual nourishment more. But how many of us live our lives really where the spiritual nourishment means more to us than the physical? Remember in John 4 when Jesus said, my, my food is to do the will of my Father. And then in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll be looking at. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There is this connection food is fundamental to all other drives. If you can restrain it, then other bodily drives are more easily restrained. Paul talks about in Philippians, he describes people who don't follow God as people whose God is their belly. In other words their appetites food and the stomach sort of stand for everything I want in the world and so if you can control that to some degree it gives you power it's a discipline it's a it's a it's a very powerful way to say to the body you have limits uh, and not to mention Remember, Jesus fasted for 40 days in in Matthew chapter 4, and the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness, fasts for 40 days, and then the devil comes, shows up and says, make bread. And you might think, well, yeah, after 40 days, Jesus is probably going to be starving and really, really need it, but... uh, Dallas Willard pointed out, it's very possible that after 40 days of denying himself, he was more prepared to deny himself when the devil offered it than not. Because he had already trained his body. That was just a profound insight that I think fits with what Paul is saying. If you're trained, these decisions, you're either trained or you're untrained. Jesus was trained in that moment. He knew how to deny his body already. So here's, here's my application again. And uh, I don't want you to panic over these connections, but I don't want you to ignore it either. So here's, here's what I uh, pretty much would say as we start to talk about this. Uh, spiritually, you have to stop everything. To have a quiet time, to to, to go to community, uh, to come to church on a Sunday morning. You literally have to stop everything. you got to step off of the 4%, getting ahead, making progress, uh, doing something pleasurable. Uh, You disconnect from what everyone else values, culture values, so that you can connect spiritually to the 96%. You got to disconnect from the four and connect to the 96. Physically speaking, you got to move something. You don't stop. You move something. So this could be uh, walking, just uh, regular kinds of exercise, movement, um, physically, to teach the body, make the body healthy, and teach the body to do what you want it to do. So that's on the keeping you sane and Healthy, sort of physically and spiritually. Uh, With food, you know, you just just start eating a little less. You don't need. There's no spiritual diet. That's that's. uh, Don't get lost in all these diets. Just eat a little less, and then eventually begin to eat a little healthier. Uh, Exercise, walk, stretch. These are two things that'll serve you well into your 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, for sure. Get to bed earlier. How many of you have ever thought that it would be spiritually beneficial for you to go to bed earlier so that you can get done what you need to and you be rested so that you can be who God wants you to be? So you're not hurrying. Now, there's there's a couple of advanced training that I'd like to give you. So, uh, sort of like we did last week. Uh, we got some advanced training. Let's start with, uh, uh, actually, this first one right here. Hold your tongue. Uh, I just thought maybe you could practice this. This is just practice. You have it, nothing's actually occurred, but you have a secret you could keep. Maybe you have a secret you could keep. Or maybe you, uh, you, you tone down your negative talk. You just say, I'm not going to talk negative. Nobody has to know this. This is a private discipline. That you've said, I'm going to watch today my negative talk. I'm going to limit that. That's a great discipline you you put on yourself. There's another one. How about limit frivolous buying? You know, we've gotten to a point in our culture where you don't have to go anywhere to buy anything. You could just be on your computer doing what you'd normally do in a life or for work. And you're just constantly seeing things to buy. And and the and the odds are many of us are buying things just out of habit. We don't really need, and we don't need really to spend the money on. And we sort of clutter up our lives and our souls. And you know, it's very possible you haven't been able to go a day without buying something. Go a couple days without buying something. Just not buying anything. Uh, it's good for your soul. Trains you spiritually. How about fast a meal? Just say no to a meal, and and say God, you know, I really want to hunger for you more than anything else in the world, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give up a meal, and I'm gonna pray instead. This is just practice. This is just me training to deny myself because the time's going to come. I'm going to need to do that. Uh, how about, uh, let's see, here's number four. Give extra and do it secretly. Let anybody know what you did. Not even the people you give it to. Give extra, give it secretly. That's great discipline. You can see the battle that'll go on inside your heart. You'll see the battle that's scared to give a little more and how connected and possessive you are. And then you'll also see your need to be praised, to be noticed. This is just a discipline in your life that you practice and it teaches you to disconnect from possessions and from notoriety. Powerful, powerful discipline. Here's another one. Serve someone beyond what is expected. You know, maybe you, maybe you feel led to do something for somebody. Do more than you thought you would do. Do more than they anticipated you would do. And I'm going to tell you, it just brings you joy. It just brings you joy. Get your mind off yourself, And actually benefits somebody. These are just practices. Uh, They're just a few practices. Now, here's what I would do. I would add to this list. Add a few things to this list in your mind. They become your training. Say, how do you train spiritually? This is it. You put these little disciplines in your life. That teach you things. Prepare you for when God calls on you. Uh, This is what practice looks like. Now let me say something really important as we close. They prepare you spiritually. But they don't make you spiritual. You're not spiritual because you do these. That's one of the pitfalls. Uh, They prepare you to obey God in a moment of crisis. In a moment in when the heat is on it's trained or untrained have i trained myself to not need notoriety have i trained myself to do without have i trained myself to give have i trained myself to hold my tongue at a time when it's really needed pray with me would you uh Father, we want to actually be more like you. We want to be more ready to obey and and to serve you and to love you. Father, in order to do that, we've got to prepare. It's unmistakable, uh, the advice that Paul has given us, to make the life that you offer, eternal life, possible in in our world and in our lives. We've got to serve you, Lord. We've got to practice. So I pray that we'll see the connection between our soul and our body, realize that what our body does affects our soul, and then welcome legitimate pain so that we can obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.